Hi, I'm Mark Brody, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode. I'm not afraid to face Carrie Lake. What I am concerned about is the embarrassment that occurred during the, the gubernatorial, the GOP gubernatorial debate, uh, and I am not going to be a part of her spectacle. Of course I'll accept the results if the election is fair, honest, and transparent. Of course I will. Our polling is showing a one-point lead for Katie Hobbs, 45.8% to 44.8% for Carrie Lake. Basically a dead heat in the governor's race, which is showing, and the race is definitely narrowing at this point. We have folks that are approaching our elections workers as they go into the site. They're taking pictures of them. And regardless of what the intent is of these people who are taking pictures of our elections workers, they're harassing people. The federal government has been negligent in their responsibility in securing the border. So the state of Arizona acted. And with me to talk about Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake's dueling sit-down interviews, new polls in some top-of-the-ticket races and more, are Lorna Romero-Ferguson of Elevate Strategies. Good morning, Lorna. Lorna, are you there? Lorna, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? We can hear you now. We're also joined by former congressional staffer Roy Herrera. Hi, Roy. Hi, how are you? I'm doing all right. So, Roy, let me start with you on uh, Katie Hobbs' uh, interview on uh, Arizona Horizon on PBS this week with uh, Ted Simons. Did we learn anything based on what she had to say? Well, I I thought the interview was substantive, uh, meaning, you know, I think Ted did a good job of asking questions about her, you know, vision for Arizona if she became governor. And so I think in that sense, we learned something. Now, of course, I'm a uh, political junkies. So I don't know if maybe I'm the only one that, you know, learned anything or was watching it, you know, from that perspective. Um, and then we're going to see on Sunday, you know, Carrie Lake's own interview. And I imagine that that interview is probably going to be a little bit more um, aggressive, I would guess. Um, but, you know, the underlying issue, of course, related to all this is this issue about whether or not they should have had a debate, um, because that's what, you know, ultimately the coverage is focused on over the last few weeks. And, you know, I think if you're the Katie Hobbs campaign, obviously, you know, now that you've done the interview and Carrie Lake's going to do her interview, that that puts this whole controversy to, you know, to rest. And, you know, there's a focus more on the actual substantive issues that the governor has to deal with. Roy, maybe it'll it'll put the issue to rest. But I mean, here it is, what, four or five weeks later, and we're still talking about this. That's right. And, you know, I uh, I would imagine um, that the and I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine the Hobbs campaign would probably didn't anticipate that this would last this long uh, as far as a, as an active issue. Uh, and then there's, you know, again, the, the concern of whether this is an issue that actually moves voters or not. I mean, there's an argument that it doesn't, you know, that it's a debate about debates and and people, you know, not, won't necessarily care about that. But because this has gone on too long, you know, the question, I think, is whether this is sort of penetrated with the average voter in a negative way. Uh, related to the decision not to debate. Lorna, Katie Hobbs had said that she wanted to talk about issues. She didn't want to be part of a spectacle with Carrie Lake on stage. And as Roy pointed out, the conversation on PBS did talk about a lot of policy issues. Does that put the issue to bed, do you think, for this campaign? 
Definitely not. And I I do think, you know, I disagree with a little bit of Roy's assessment here that the Hobbs campaign didn't anticipate that this would last as long, you know, this debate controversy in the media. They're the reason why it's lasted so long. I mean, if the Hobbs campaign would have just said from day one, no, we're not going to participate in the debate period, then maybe the story would have died down sooner. But they kept this lingering of we want a different format. And they were just very vague of what that even meant. And that took them weeks to even come up with a new proposal to the Citizens Clean Election and PBS of what that would even look like. And so they prolonged this into a multi-month story. And in the meantime, Carrie Lake's team wisely capitalized on it to really show the difference between the two candidates. You know, Katie uh, Katie Hobbs, you know, continues to say that she doesn't want to be part of a spectacle. Okay, let's be honest. Sometimes there's in politics, some things are a spectacle, right? And Carrie Lake, you know, I think she countered that wisely by saying in multiple public forums, you can even write the questions, Katie. You can pick the moderator. You can pick the venue. You can pick all of it, and I will show up. So it really shows a contrast of leadership, and I think that's what voters are looking for right now is, you know, and especially in contrast to the Biden administration where you can say there's a lack of leadership. They want somebody who's going to stand up for Arizonans and, and is going to stand up against the federal government and stand up to do what's right. And so, I mean, that's just been a disaster for the Hobbs campaign, and we're only a few weeks away from Election Day. People have their early ballots in hand right now. It's impacting voter decisions right now. Lorna, what are you expecting on Sunday night? Uh, Katie, Carrie Lake will be interviewed by Mike Broomhead, a, an opinion host on uh, KTAR on uh, AZTV. Um, what are you looking for? You know, I'm looking forward to see, and you know, I I respect Mike Broomhead. I think I think he's great at what he does, and he's been very upfront and honest about his relationship um, with with Carrie Lake. And obviously, she's been on the program multiple times, and so she's comfortable with Mike Broomhead. I'm I'm interested to see what kind of questions he pushes her on. You know, to show voters or that maybe haven't heard, I mean, her, her, you know, seen him interview her before, talk about her positions about some of these more controversial issues. I don't think it's going to be a softball interview. By, by any means. Um, but there's obviously certain policy positions that Carrie Lake has that Mike Broomhead disagrees with, and he's made that known before. So I'm really looking to see if he mentions those. And, you know, I think Carrie Lake is going to take this as an opportunity to point out every flaw from the Hobbs, you know, interview. That's probably one of the, you know, the, the best assets of being doing this interview after Hobbs sat down with PBS mm. is she's going to attack her for her positions on abortion uh, and a number of other things that she talked about. You know, universal ESAs, you know, the, the new vouchers that we have in Arizona, she made it very clear that she opposes that. So Carrie Lake's going to take that opportunity to expose her on those key issues. Roy, let me ask you about a new poll that came out. This week from High Ground, a very well-respected uh, polling firm here in the Valley and the state, that basically showed the governor's race uh, essentially tied. It had Hobbs up by around a point or so, but well within the margin of error. Very, very close race at this point. Is that what you were expecting at this point? It, it, it is. And, it, it you know, I'm not surprised that the polling is showing that. I mean, High Ground is a great pollster, and I think they usually get things right here. And so them showing Hobbs up by one point, I think, is about what I think we're at right now. Um, and you've seen other polls that I think have shown the race significantly tightening over the last month or so. Um, and I think that's right. And it's also something that was, I think, always going to happen uh, in a state like Arizona in a midterm year 
where you know it is an uphill climb for Democrats, given um, President Biden being in charge and having low popularity in D.C. So the fact that we had polls that had Democrats way ahead in you know August and September, that was always going to sort of come back to the mean here, um, and we were ultimately going to have and are going to have very close elections um, where you know either side could win. Um, and, and to Lorna's point, I mean. I, I very much agree. I have a lot of respect for Mike Broomhead. Um, and I think that he is going to ask, and I hope that he's going to ask tough questions, in particular questions related to some of the extreme positions that Carrie Lake has taken, especially when it comes to elections and the idea that perhaps you would not certify future elections or accept the results of future elections. So it's obviously a direct, direct uh, threat to democracy. Uh, so I'm hoping that she'll he'll ask those questions of her and that she'll have some some real answers. So in other words, that's going to be a revealing interview, just like I think the Hobbs interview was. And, and again, you know, it comes down to what voters are ultimately concerned with most when it comes from, you know, to issues. Um, are they really concerned that much about this debate issue uh, and perhaps what it symbolizes? Or are they more concerned about, you know, real substantive issues, whether it's the economy whether it's reproductive rights and choice and the Dobbs decision, you know, maybe those things actually are things that are more motivating to them than something about debates. Lorna, to Roy's point about not being terribly surprised that the polls are showing the governor's race pretty close right now, would you think that the final results will also be very close? Oh, definitely. I, I think whoever ends up being victorious um, after the election, it's it's only it's going to be a very close race. We won't know election night, obviously, who the winner is going to be. It's going to going to take a few days. And as Roy and I have joked around before, then litigation starts to help. <laughs> we don't, who knows how long it'll take after that. Um, so we'll know in January, maybe. But I, I think it's going to be very close either way. Um, and, and as Roy mentioned, you know, with the tightening of the race over the past few months, you know, with the Dobbs decision, I think, you know, we were having this conversation over the summer of, you know, what's this going to mean for Democrats? And, and we saw those those initial polls uh, surge uh, when it came to just the generic ballot and voters favoring Democrats. And, but it was always a question of, is that momentum going to maintain until the November election? Is that going to hold up while the economy is still doing so bad? And I think we're starting to see with these tightened races that, it ends up coming down to the pocketbook issues that people are dealing with every single day. That's going to be the main determining factor in how they vote. Well, so Lorna, to the point of maybe not knowing for a little while who the winners are, and you know, clearly that was an issue two years ago in terms of whether people trusted the results or you know had suspicions or were spouting conspiracy theories about it. We uh, read this week about uh, some 6,000 people in Arizona mistakenly identified as only being eligible for federal-only races. A thousand of them uh, were sent early ballots. There were 500-some-odd voters in Cochise County that got the wrong ballots. Now, obviously, the it seems as though these were not malicious. They were mistakes that were identified and rectified as quickly as they could be. Do you think that, though, that that this kind of contributes to people who, who believe that there are real problems and real fraud with elections? It would seem as though these kinds of things play into that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that mistakes happen, right? I mean, we are dealing with, multi, you know, millions of people voting in an election cycle, um, you know, different counties managing the system. There's a lot of work that goes into this, right? And so mistakes do happen, but they're caught. And so luckily, this was a situation that was caught early and can be rectified. And, you know, pre-2020, you know, Trump stopped the steal era. 
there were mistakes that happened too, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just now a different type of scrutiny, right? And so there are going to be folks who take these examples and say, see, the system isn't working and use it to their advantage and use it as a talking point to push whatever their agenda is, which which I think is unfortunate. And so um, I I feel for the folks who are running our elections this cycle, especially in the county level, and even our our volunteers that are going down there, because there's just a heightened sense of scrutiny. And it just goes to show that they really need to dot their I's and cross their T's to make sure that, you know, they're they're showing as much confidence in the system as much as possible. Um, But you're right. People are going to take this and use it as a political political, you know, tool. Roy, before we go to break, how concerning is it for you? Not necessarily the mistakes, um, although obviously you never want to see mistakes in something as important as an election, but in terms of what the perception might be based on what these mistakes are. I mean, it's definitely a concern from my perspective, and I'm intimately involved as an election lawyer in, in uh, you know, trying to deal with this uh, as it comes. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, there are mistakes, like Lorna said, that happen every election cycle. It's an enormously complicated you know, task to put on these elections. And we have, you know, incredible election administrators in the state uh, at the county level that do a really good job putting these on, but that, you know, nobody's perfect and these things happen and they get caught and and they get fixed, which I think is what's going to happen here. Um, And similarly, you know, to Lauren's point, I mean, we're not going to know who is necessarily the winner in all these races right away, you know, certainly not on election night, it's going to take potentially weeks for there to be, you know, a, a finished count. Mm-hmm. And that provides an opportunity for for folks to come up with conspiracy theories, even though that count is very much part of the normal process of the safe and secure elections that we have in Arizona. So I'm very concerned about it. Um, but I think there's a good system in place by the election administrators and lawyers and all these folks to kind of in law enforcement officials to address it if it comes up. My guests this week are former congressional staffer Roy Herrera and Lorna Romero-Ferguson of Elevate Strategies. Lorna, let me ask you about uh, Attorney General Mark Burnovich uh, referring True the Vote, that's the group that put out the 2000 Mules movie, uh, refer them to the FBI and IRS. Basically, they made all these claims. They said they'd give us the data. They never did. I'm curious what you make of this action by Burnovich's office, but also what you make of the timing of this move by Burnovich's office. You know, I was actually kind of shocked by it because, you know, you you were thinking at this point, everything that's happened the past two years with, with the audit and these quote unquote investigations and then, you know, this mule situation um, that nothing would actually be taken seriously about holding these people accountable that are pushing these conspiracy theories. Right. And so I was actually pleasantly surprised to see it. Um, I wish it would have happened sooner. I just feel like at this point, um, Anything that's going to hold these people accountable and show that what they're actually um, revealing isn't true isn't going to change any hearts and minds at this point, unfortunately. This has been going on for far too long. People are kind of set in what they think happened or didn't happen in 2020. Um, And so I'm happy that the Attorney General decided to take that action. But I don't think it's really going to change general sentiment when it comes to the 2020 election. Lorna, does it potentially put certain candidates in an awkward position? I'm thinking about people like uh, Abe Hamadeh, the GOP candidate for attorney general, Mark Fincham, the GOP candidate for secretary of state, who have really, and to an extent maybe Carrie Lake as well, who have really built their campaigns on these conspiracy theories. And we should point out that the the data, the facts, quote unquote facts put out by 2000 mules has been repeatedly and widely debunked pretty much all of them. So does it put some of those candidates who have really spounded these conspiracy theories in a tough spot at this point? 
I don't think it will because I think they're just going to carry on with the messaging that they have when it comes to this topic, um, it, especially for a Mark Fincham who has kind of held the line when it comes to what he believes happened or didn't happen in 2020. I, I don't think Attorney General's action is going to have any sway in what he does. Potentially, if Abe Holiday is is victorious and this is something he might need to deal with, then that could potentially put him in an awkward spot. But I don't think overall it's going to change any of these candidates' narrative and messaging when it comes to the, the 2020 election. Roy, do you think that Democrats should be talking about this issue more? Or is it is it maybe better for them to be talking about things like abortion and maybe anything other than the economy? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly talking about Dobbs and abortion is a much more favorable issue and conversation for Democrats. And I think that's why you're seeing when you, you know, look at and it's probably based on polling, but when you see, you know, the Democrats or Republicans ads on TV, like what are they focusing on most? Um, and you see a lot, you know, these days, of course, uh, on the Democratic side related to abortion um, and abortion rights, because that is precisely a favorable issue to them, politically speaking. Um, you know, on the democracy stuff, uh, you know, I think that there has been a an attempt, obviously, and particularly from the Hobbs campaign, given that she's the chief election officer of the state and had to fight back against many of these sort of false claims that happened and the audit and all of that uh, in order to show, you know, that that is a, an accomplishment of, of her as secretary of state and as an elected official. The question that you know, ultimately comes down to is do voters care a lot about that issue or not? Or do they care more about other issues? I think polling suggests that they care more about other issues. And, and that's kind of where we're at. And, you know, to your earlier question to Lorna, I don't think it puts the Republican candidates in an awkward position that Brnovich has taken this view, precisely because from a political perspective, they have you know shamelessly pushed these false you know narratives about the election um, in the 2020 election, even though they have been presented with evidence that shows that what they've said is just not true. I mean, they've just continued to say it because they find some political advantage in it, and just because Brnovich, I think, has has sort of changed his position. I don't think it's going to affect them at all. Well, I wonder if it kind of goes to the, the point that you were making about this may be not something that, that people necessarily care about. And Lorna brought up the fact that, you know, there are a lot of people who believe what they believe on this issue. I wonder if there are voters who are kind of on the fence on this issue, like they're not sure if the 2020 election was legit or not. Like, is this is this an issue that like even Katie Hobbs can say, see, I was right. Like, does that does that change anyone's mind? Does that affect anything? Probably not. I mean, you know, the folks that I think, um, again, despite evidence, you know, very clearly showing that a lot of these concerns about the 2020 election and, and you know, false claims of election fraud and all that stuff, show, showing evidence showing that that essentially didn't occur. I think it's, you know, anyone who's still thinking, you know, that that it's possible, you know, despite the evidence that these things happen. I'm not sure I totally understand their psychology. I, I think, you know, what would be interesting to me to see, and I'm not hoping for this, but it may be inevitable, is at the results of this particular election, this November election, where you have some Democrats winning at the state level and some Republicans winning at the state level, uh, it sort of begs the question of like, well, if the election is so fraudulent, then how is it that Republicans also won, <laughs> you know, even though Democrats won? I mean, was it fraudulent just for the Democrats that won and not for the Republicans? So there's a certain like illogic to this, uh, to I think folks that are intrigued by or believe in this stuff. And I'm just not totally sure how to 
reach those folks. All right. So, guys, last couple of minutes here. I want to get to the state federal debate on immigration, which has been going on for years and years and years. The feds uh, told Governor Ducey to take down uh, some of the shipping containers that he had put up uh, sort of along along the border as a barrier there. Uh, Ducey has said he will not do that. Lorna, does this become an issue in the races in the last couple of weeks at all, or is this more of a, a policy thing than a political thing? Oh, Democrat, Republicans are totally going to capitalize on this um, to just show that it's another failure of the Biden administration to nothing to do nothing to secure our border. I think, it, given the sensitivity of this topic here in Arizona, where Democrats are trying to be competitive in statewide races, and you know the Mark Kelly Blake Masters race is tightening too, probably more than they're comfortable with, and the Biden administration is saying this, like it, it's not helpful to their candidates down ballot. And, you know, Governor Ducey's response was spot on. The federal government's done nothing when it comes to this issue. And it, they would have been better off just being silent until after the election and then figuring out a way to reach out to the governor afterwards to say, how can we remove these, you know, shipping containers to then end up putting up their fencing that they claim they're going to start construction in January. God knows when that will ever happen because you know how slow the feds are. So I just think it was a terrible move and terrible timing by the Biden administration. Well, and Roy, to that point, you know, Mark Kelly has made a, a big uh, deal in his campaigns about working to, to fill gaps in the in the wall and to put up fencing and barriers along the border. Do, how, how do you think this controversy, this back and forth might affect him? Well, I mean, I always view this issue, you know, as as what, what I typically say is like two things can be true at once. Right. So like I viewed uh, Ducey's actions when it comes to the shipping containers as performative. I mean, essentially, this was a a political actor trying to make a political statement and, you know, using it as a photo op uh, because they, they think that that's politically favorable to them. And obviously, Republican ads are very much focused on the border because they think that's a good issue for them. And this is sort of part of that. But at the same time, I can also believe uh, that obviously the federal government has not done enough when it comes to um, how we address the border, uh, as well as immigration reform. I mean, as you mentioned, it's been decades since we've actually right. done anything substantive in this area. And it's been Republican and Democratic administrations that have failed. Um, and we're in this position where there needs to be a fix. Um, and I know Senator Kelly has, uh, you know, at times been critical of the Biden administration in its failure to do some of these things. In fact, like filling the gaps that you uh, you mentioned. Sure. So, uh, you know, how it's going to affect him, I think, ultimately comes down to the fact that you know, he's telling voters that he's trying to, to, to fix a problem that has existed for decades, and that includes being critical of a Democratic president. All right. We'll have to leave it there. Roy Herrera, Lorna Romero-Ferguson, thanks to you both for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks Thank so you. much. You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.